Amen. If you got a purpose, can I hear you say amen? Come on, give me some high fives as we get ready to do it. Did y'all bring your palms to Palm Sunday? Oh, you see what I did right there? Wave your palms in the air. Wave them like you just care. And if you a Holy Ghost player, say oh yeah. Oh, man, we're trying to have fun on Palm Sunday. Y'all just got religious. I still love you. That's okay. I'm so glad you guys are here today. It's all right if you want to have your, your palm. Uh, you can pick one off of a tree somewhere, but we're going to give you your palm high five today. And just to let you know where that tradition came from, Palm Sunday, Jesus came into the city. They brought out palms and laid the path for him to ride his donkey on, and it was an honor in those days to do that. They would do it for kings, and that was something they did for Jesus. So that's a tradition you can keep if you want, but right here, we're just going to give you the high five palm. Look at your neighbor and say, it's Palm Sunday. Come on, high five. Come on. Okay. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and onward. We are in the middle of a sermon series on the book of Ephesians. How many love the book of Ephesians? Can I get a what? What? Amen. If you love the book of Ephesians like me, it has been blessing you, right? You have been just getting rocked by it. Well, this whole entire year and maybe in the years in the future, we're just going verse by verse through this awesome book. It was written by Paul the Apostle, and uh, it really relates to our life in so many different ways. And today we're going to talk about being blessed, and the series is called In Him. And so today that's really going to be a key component of understanding your blessings. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Come on, that's the conclusion of the message, but I might as well give it to you right now. It's too good to leave to the end. Amen. Look at your neighbor one more time and say, I'm too blessed to be stressed. We'll explain that in just a little bit. Open that Bible up to Ephesians 1 verse, thir- uh, 1, verse 3. If not, the karaoke screen will have it for your viewing pleasure. We are going to read through these verses as we do. You will remember that you read it last week with me. And we're going to be reading it for about the next 14 to 15 weeks. Now let me say this. Bring your friends and family here next week. It's going to be an amazing service. We'll take a detour from this passage and go right to the place in Ephesians where it says we're raised with Christ. But let me just share with you the difference between us and other churches on Easter. As you can see, I'm already in my shorts. Amen. I'm might be in my chanclas then if the weather's in the 70s. But, uh, and by the way, I was wearing shorts by faith last week. Can I get an amen for that? I said, Lord, it's 40 degrees, but it's April, Jesus. I got to come out in faith. And I wore my shorts, and the Lord said, I saw your faith, son. Next week at this time, it's going to be in the 70s. Okay, so anyways, This is going to be cash. If you like to dress up, come and dress up because we will be doing pictures. So however you want to come, don't let the dress code mess with you. I just come casy cash, okay? I like casual. But here's my point about you bringing your friends and family. They are going to have their mind blown by the grace of God because testimonies are going to be told from real people's lives. You're going to see the children's presentation. You're going to hear the young people, the youth. You heard them today, man. They are so many of them here. Elevate. 
I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. Teenagers are going to share testimony. It's going to be powerful. So it's really a life-changing Easter service. And I don't say that lightly because there's a dear sister in our church, and uh, her grand, uh, her daughter is here, and this was her grandma. So I say this in all seriousness. I said this before about an Easter service, and I literally said, for some of y'all, this is going to be the greatest Easter service of your life. Well, long story short, Cynthia, roll down. Would you wave at me, please? Thank you. And then Cynthia Jr., would you wave? There? Oh, and then your, your sister's there. Thank you. Okay, and so their mother was here. Their mother was here, and she was raised Catholic for that Easter service. She accepted Jesus. But a few months after that passed. But I want to tell you something. She's in heaven today because God made a way for her. Amen? And that was the greatest Easter service of her life. Because as you know, it doesn't mean that Roman Catholics are bad. It's just you know you can be there every week. You can get the branches. You can see the cross. You can do all of this religious stuff and still not have Jesus in your heart. It's like Jesus is out there, but he wants to be in here. Amen? Okay, so let's come Easter ready to have a good time. Are you with me in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3? Say, I'm there. Okay, here it is. Get ready because these verses are amazing. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. That will be our text for today, but let's continue on for this passage. For he chose us. Somebody say, he chose me. In him, thank you, and there you see the series title, In Him. That's what we're talking about through the book of Ephesians. It's said over 14 times just in the book by Paul, In Him, In Him, key theme. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Come on, somebody say, God takes pleasure in me. Amen. To the praise of his glorious grace. What kind of grace does God have? Glorious grace all up in your face. Amen. I'm going to give you grace up in your face this week. Amen. Give your neighbor grace up in their face. We don't need no more attitudes, right? We need grace up in your face in that place. You call work in that place. You, y'all look at, can I rhyme in church? Grace up in your, your face at that place. That's, that makes sense. Okay. In accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Look at verse 7 once again. In him. Somebody say in him. Thank you. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And so Good Friday, if those of you are used to going to church on Good Friday, our youth group is doing a special presentation that night, and you are welcome to come, whatever age you are, that, that Friday. But specifically, if you have young people between the ages of 11 and 18, make sure you bring them because they're going to learn about the blood of Jesus. Grace is freely given, but it cost Jesus his blood. Can I get an amen? And let's never forget that. In him we have that redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the misery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. Still running on, come on Paul, verse 10, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Somebody say, preach it. 
Literally, he is bringing a run-on sentence from partial of verse 7 all the way to verse 10. I hope you're hearing that, that God has a plan for you, and it's going to end good, and we're going to be unified with him. He makes all the wrongs right. Look at verse 11. Also in him, the Bible says here, we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. How many things work out to the purpose of his will? Everything, thank you, everything's in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ, that's these disciples 2,000 years ago, might be the praise of his glory. But verse 13 is here for you and you also, somebody say he's talking about me. Thank you. First disciples came to Jesus 2,000 years ago. Then he says, and you also, now it's about 10 years after the fact, and even to us now, were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. How many of you believed in the gospel? Do I have any believers here today? Amen. You were included in this. This is towards you. Paul says, I was one of the first. Then I told you. And now 2,000 years later, we are included in Christ when we hear the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you and I believe, we are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Can I hear an amen? That's the word of God. That is the passage that we are taking on in the book of Ephesians for the next 14 weeks. Now for today's message, being blessed with every spiritual blessing, I want to tie in another verse from the book of Ephesians. Paul is still speaking in this concept and he goes on all the way through to chapter 2. So I had to pick out basically verses 3 through 14 of chapter 1 so we could start somewhere. But I got to tie in this verse because it's his same thought into this message today. And remember, this is why I'm encouraging you all year long, every week, to at least go through the book of Ephesians one time. I have shared with you the Street Lights app. It puts it over to hip-hop. You can listen to it to audio Bible. Also, you can just go to the normal Bible app. And hear the classic version, 20 minutes every single week, give to the book of Ephesians. Can I get an amen for that? I listened to it probably about five times this week. And when you listen to it, it only takes about 20 minutes, you get the whole entire thought. It was meant to be read like a message that you would get on Facebook. You don't read a verse by verse by verse on Facebook when somebody writes you a message, right? Like, I'll read this, come back to it next week, come back. No, you read the whole thing together. These books of the Bible can be studied verse by verse, as we do here, but it's meant to be read in chunks, okay? So do yourself a service, especially when you're reading New Testament books. Take them as a whole entire thought. And then if you want to go back verse by verse, then break it down. So let's just say for the book of Ephesians, and I noticed some of you have been doing it because you've been posting up verses like Cray Cray on Facebook. Thank you for that. I love seeing that. You could read the whole book, 20 minutes, at your workout, at your leisure, whatever, and then just go back throughout the week and say, this verse stuck out to me. This passage stuck out to me. Well, you would see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, turn there with me quickly, that there is a tie-in to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. So let's just remind ourselves of what we read there and see how Paul continues the same thought. No tricks up my sleeve. I'm not playing Bible origami. This is the same exact thought. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in the what? 
heavenly realms, thank you, heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now you follow him as he goes through that same thought. It was meant to be read in one sitting. Ephesians chapter two, verse six, he says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the where? Heavenly realms in who? In Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The tie-in there is that we're in heavenly places. The first part where Paul talks about being blessed in heavenly places is right now. In the present time, we are blessed. But the Bible goes back to that point. The Holy Spirit leads Paul to go back to that point to say, you are there, and you're there with Christ right now, and yes, you are blessed him with every spiritual blessings, but there's also a future kingdom to come where what? inner reality you have now will become the outer reality for everybody else. So right now, people may not see a difference in you, but the day will come where they will see the Holy Spirit upon you, and you will rule and reign upon this earth as kings and priests. That's the tie-in. We're blessed now with every spiritual blessing and in the kingdom to come. He's going to show us off as his trophies of grace. Can I get an amen? Amen. To remind you of this mini-series within the greater series of In Him, we're talking about these 14 things in the book of Ephesians that Paul is thankful for. We're going to do today, blessed with every spiritual blessing. Somebody say, I'm blessed. Thank you. The weeks afterward, we'll do chosen to be holy and blameless. Verse 4, adoption to sonship. Verse 5, glorious grace. Verse 6, redemption and forgiveness. In verse 7, did you catch some of these themes as I'm showing them to you here? Lavished with wisdom and understanding, knowing God's mysterious will. Ooh, isn't that one going to be a good one? Unified with Christ. That one's going to be awesome too. God's plan, all of them are good. Made to praise. Anybody here made to praise? God's glory, verse 12, the gospel, verse 13, marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And for that one, I might just have to get out some wax and an old king's ring and seal it and just show you what they're talking about there. Guaranteed inheritance. How many know you have a guaranteed inheritance? And then we are God's possession. Those are the weeks ahead. We're believing God for great things. Let's think about the blessings of the Lord now. Somebody say bless one more time. Thank you. Blessed simply means God's divine favor. One of my favorite passages you can look up on your own when you have time, number 6, 22 and onward, talks about God's command to the priests to bless the Israelites, and then this was to be carried on from the Israelites to their family and their children. And the idea is that may God bless you. The prayer goes, may God bless you, and may he keep you. May his face always shine upon you. May you have peace. Oh, it's such a great thing to pray. If parents, you're ever looking for... For a prayer other than now I lay me down to sleep and I pray the Lord. If you want to teach them another prayer, teach them number six. And that's the whole idea is that God wants to bless us because he's our heavenly father and has a plan for us. Sadly, we in the garden sided with the devil, became his bastard children and came under the curse of God because God is a good judge. God doesn't let lawbreakers off. But because he's so rich in mercy, he sent his only son to die for us to take our punishment so that the death we deserved was put onto him that we may live the life that he earned. Can I hear an amen for grace? 
but that is to restore us back into fellowship with God that we may be blessed. Paul is saying to the people at this church, they are already saved, and therefore they're already blessed. And so blessings for them are not something they have to go on a treasure chest hunt to go find, but rather it's something they need to believe and receive and manifest out on the real world, but it's already been given to them. So there's not a prayer request that's in God's will that you're asking him to do something for you that's a blessing, that if it's in his will, that it's not already there. Everything that you believe God for is in his will, it's already in heavenly places waiting for you. And that's where I really want to spend some time today, taking you to a whole nother level, and that's the spiritual realms. So do you all want to take a trip on the magic ship to spiritual realms with me today? Okay, we don't have to drink any Kool-Aid. We don't, we don't have to uh, uh, smoke anything. We're just going to take a trip on the magic ship to heavenly realms. The Bible says you're in heavenly realms. You want to go there with me? We're going to count down. You guys ready? Buckle up, right? Okay. Chicago, we're ready for takeoff. Three, two, one. You're here. <laughs> yep. You're already here. The Bible says you're in heavenly realms right now. Right now. You've been there. This is the thing that's going to make some of you think I'm crazy. Others of you, it's going to start making sense for the Bible now because the Bible's been talking about this stuff all over the place. And I hope for most of you it won't be crazy, but it will be information because here's the deal. The Bible says you are a spiritual creature and you inhabit a physical body. But as your spirit is in your physical body subjected to physical laws, your spirit is also in spiritual realms subjected to spiritual laws. And so the spiritual world and the physical world actually overlap. Now in particle physics and different kinds of science, they are finding that there could be different dimensions. But we don't have to speculate about whether or not there is different dimensions. We know there is. Our God came from that dimension and then created this dimension we now know as the material universe. Are you listening? This is the belief system of the Bible, as a matter of fact. Because I know some of you right now just want to say, Pastor, you're just playing make-believe. I'm a 21st century Christian. That means I'm so smart. I understand things that people of the Bible don't understand. And see, the problem with that is, is that you have a worldview that's actually satanic. What the devil would love for you to believe is that there is no God, you are the creator of your own destiny and fate, and that when you die, you just die. That's a lie of the devil. But you see, the truth is, is that you didn't create yourself. You didn't create this universe. Sometimes people say, I can explain it with science. Well, let's start with the Big Bang. Who banged it and what banged Explain that in your science lab, sir. You ever seen nothing, bang nothing and create something? Show me that in a beaker, in a microscope. You can't. We know that we didn't come from nothing. We came from something. But if the something we all want to explain is the material universe, then that means that something didn't come from the same something. Can a chicken create itself? 
No. Can a material universe come from other materials in another material universe? No, because then you have to say, where do the materials of that material universe come from? At some point, you need to explain where everything materially came from. That came from spiritual things. We know as God, ever-present, all-knowing, and everywhere, the spiritual, all-powerful God created the material world. And the Bible says that the spiritual realm is where we have always been and what we've been created for. That's why we were naked in the garden and didn't think nothing of it. We didn't look at the nudity of our body as shameful because we were more spiritually minded in the realm that we were living in communion with God than we were in the natural realm. But we have fallen, and now today we need to get back up in Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor and say, you've fallen, but you can get back up in Jesus. Jesus will lift you back up to heavenly realms. So let me just ask you something, you 21st century sassy saint who knows it all. If what I just said is not true, then what does this mean? And God, past tense, raised us, already done, up with Christ, and seated us, past tense, already done, with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Well, that's going to happen when I go to heaven. No, it says it's already happened, and you're there now. Oh, come on, somebody. But you know what? I know my church, and I know some of you just don't believe me. That's why I'm going to show you a cartoon video meant for children. That's going to explain it, and it will blow your mind. And some of you will be like, and I, this is not to put you down in any way, because I needed this video too, because I was like, I'm about ready to preach to him for three hours about this. And then I saw this video, and I said, oh, man, I so want to use this video. But, brothers, look, before I put it up, let me just give you a few more of these definitions, because I want you to get it. And spiritual blessings. Are the places that God, from spiritual places is what God blesses us with his favor because he is a spiritual being. Now, you may think that spiritual blessings aren't as real as real blessings. But my friends, where did real blessings come from? Where did a car come from? Spiritual realm. So if you got spiritual realm, you can get a car. Hello, somebody. Spiritual realm created what cars are made out of. I got to play the video. You guys aren't. Believe in me right now. Okay. Let me just ask it again. Does the material universe create itself out of materials? So where does the material universe get created from? A spiritual world. Are you a spiritual being? Yes. But you live in a material world? Yes. And these two things coincide, don't they? Let me just make you all laugh right now. What does the word all mean? All. Okay, so you guys are good with that. All right. You all ready for the video now? Would you uh, shut off these lights, por favor? And get ready for the blessing of this video. Put it up for us, please. Let me take off the mute here. Okay, I'll start it again, and I'll get the volume here. So Thank in you. the Bible, the ideas Whoa. of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really well. We live here. There's trees, rivers, mountains. But my understanding of God's space gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're, they're different in their nature, but here's what's really interesting is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die, but... 
this idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that. Which is kind of crazy because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning where heaven and earth, they're completely overlapping. Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity dwelt together perfectly, no separation, and, and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world and so on. But as humans, we wanted to do things a different way. We wanted God out, and we wanted to create a world apart from him. Yeah, so we have these two spaces now. And the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a, a clear distinction. So you've said that these spaces can overlap, though. So explain how that works. Yeah, this is where we have to start talking about temples. Because in the biblical world, you experience God's presence by going to a temple. That's where heaven and earth uh, overlap. Now, there are two types of temples described in the Bible. One is a tabernacle, basically a tent that was built by Moses. And the other was this massive building made by Solomon. And these temples were decorated with fruit trees and flowers and images of angels and all kinds of gold and jewels and so on. And these are designed to make you feel like you're going back to the garden. And at the center of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies, which was like the hot spot of God's presence. Now we can go and be with God again. But not so fast, because the temple also creates a problem. So God's space is full of his presence and goodness and justice and beauty, but human space is full of sin and injustice and the ugliness that results. So how do these spaces overlap if they're so different and they're in conflict with each other? This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's kind of weird. What do animal sacrifices have to do with this? Yeah, the, the idea is this. Animal sacrifices, somehow they absorb the sin when the animal dies in your place. And it creates a clean space, so to speak, where you are now free to enter into the temple and be in God's presence. Okay, so if I'm an Israelite and I live in Jerusalem, I might be able to be in God's presence. But you said the story of the Bible is all of heaven and earth reuniting. Right. So we have to keep going in the story where we come to Jesus in the New Testament. And in the Gospel of John, we hear this claim that God became human in Jesus and made his dwelling among us. Now, this word dwelling is really curious. It, literally, it means he set up a tabernacle among us. And so what John is claiming right here is that Jesus is a temple. He is now the place where heaven and earth overlap. What's interesting about Jesus is that he isn't staying in this safe, clean space. He's running around hanging out with sinners. He's healing people of their sicknesses and forgiving people of their sins. He's basically creating little pockets of heaven where people can be in God's presence, but he's doing it out there in the middle of the world of sin and death. And he keeps telling everyone that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he even told his followers to pray regularly that God's kingdom come and that his will be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven. But a lot of people are threatened by Jesus, and they kill him, which seems to spoil this whole plan to reunite heaven and earth. But we, we have to go back to a scene earlier on in Jesus' story where John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
So Jesus isn't just talked about as being a temple. He's also talked about as being the temple sacrifice. Yeah, so, so the cross is now the place where Jesus absorbs sin to create a clean space that is not limited like animal sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice has the power to keep spreading and spreading and reuniting more and more of heaven and earth. And this is all really great, but it leaves one big question in my mind, which is what happens when I die? Don't I just fly over to God's space to be with Jesus? Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament, we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die, but that is not the focus of the Bible's story. The focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So in the book of Revelation, we get this beautiful image of the Garden of Eden, now in the form of a city, coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again. We believe the best way to understand... Amen. Give it up for these brothers doing a great job. The, the video had so much to give, and you can go back to watch it on our notes, and I encourage you to do that. But I want you to hear that main portion. As you, I shut off these lights up top, please, and then put back on these. Thank you. See the main portion of heaven and earth overlapping in this age. Look at Luke 17. Jesus talking here in verse 20. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your, it's in your midst. So if we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, we need to first believe that we're in heavenly realms. We need to first believe that when we were born again, we were taken out of the world's spiritual curse and brought back into God's spiritual blessings. So just as much as we are here in Chicago, we are in Jesus. And if we are in Jesus, we lack nothing at all. We have every possible thing we could ever need. Now, theologically speaking, there are ways that people see the world, the glasses that they put on, the worldview as it was, how we, how we view the world. Atheism says there's just a universe. Deism says, oh yeah, there may be a God somewhere, but he's so separate from the universe, he doesn't care about what goes on. Dualism says, yeah, there's a God, there's a universe, but every now and then he'll just send a blessing from over there or do something. And then pantheism, like Hinduism and Buddhism, believe God is the universe. So you pray to a tree, you pray to a rock, a dog, it doesn't matter, it's all God and God is all. But here is what panentheism believes. God came, uh, the universe universe came from God, separate, but is sustained by him and is in his very energies. Look at the, the scripture that Paul uses in Romans eleven thirty six, and see which worldview. Don't even take my word. The same apostle who wrote the book of Ephesians, who taught we were in heavenly realms, in, somebody say in, let's see what worldview he had. Paul, for from him and through him and for him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. Which worldview do you think Paul has? And here's another scripture from 
from Paul. Acts 17, 28, ask yourself again, which one fits with Paul? For in him we live and move and have our being. As a matter of fact, the Greek words that are used there are found nowhere except panentheism in the Bible because it literally means all in God. Pan means all. Where do we see the word all things? Romans 11, 36, for from him are all things, pan things. And then it says for in him, in him. Literally the Greek word in is en, ours is in. Same, same way of pronouncing in. And then him, in God. There is the worldview. Somebody say, aha, do you get it? And if you don't, there is another nine videos on today's notes that you can watch about God and quantum physics and all of those wonderful things, but I won't bore you with that today. I'll just say study on your own time. Here are some quotes to help your worldview change to the biblical worldview. If I can help you with changing your worldview today, you'll receive those blessings that God has for you. Because what are most churches just going to tell you? You're blessed. Get your blessing. Get your blessing. Pray to the Lord you're going to get. But you won't understand where blessings come from. You won't understand why there are blessings, why there's a God that even cares to bless you. Paul is teaching you we ought to take the Bible serious. Paul is teaching you in those verses we read today that you need to know the theology, the doctrine of why God wants to bless you. It's because you've come from him. And you are living in his space right now. This space all belongs to him. And even though you were born in a fallen world, you can be reborn into the kingdom of God. You were born a sinner, but you could be born again a saint. You were born separated from God, but you could be born again into the family of God. You can share in the essence and energy of God. Of course, we never become God. God alone is all-powerful and all-knowing. But he says he wants to share his nature with us. The Bible says through Peter, we are partakers of the divine nature. He said, be perfect, for your heavenly Father is perfect. Be holy, for I am holy. How else can I do any of those things unless I do it in him? Come on, somebody. I can't be perfect outside of him. I can't do all things through Christ unless I'm in him. Are you listening? Don't let the world give you its worldview and have you separate God from what you're doing today and as if you have to go chase down your blessing and wait for it to come. God is in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are seated in Christ today in heavenly realms. Everywhere you go, goodness and mercy follows you. Here's some other smart people that are saying what I'm saying. Maybe you'll believe them too. Look at what Barack Spinoza said, one of the great scientists of the past and philosophers. Whatsoever is, is in God. And without God, nothing can be or be conceived. Wow. Listen to Jonathan Edwards, the great theologian of times past. He said, God is the sum of all being, and there is no being without his being. You wouldn't be unless there be a God. All things are in him and he in all. 
And then I don't have time to read this all, but I'll read uh, just this last one from Martin Luther, the old theologian of the Middle Ages who brought us the Reformation. He said, God must be present in every single creature in its innermost and outermost being on all sides, through and through, below and above, before and behind, so that nothing can be more truly present and within all creatures than God himself with his power. He said, how else is the world being sustained? That's why I want you to watch those things on particle physicists. You know, it's, it just goes from the next thing to the next thing. It's like, what holds up the laptop? Well, this table holds up the laptop. What holds up the table? This post. What holds up the post? Uh, this bottom part, the legs. Okay, and then they get in the microscope. Well, what makes this a table? Well, there's particles this and atoms this. Well, what makes the atom hold together? What makes this? The Bible says, for from him and through him and in him are all things. He holds it together. This is the God we believe in. And so when I come to the Bible and I hear that he blesses me with every spiritual blessings in heavenly realms, I'm going to have the Christian worldview. I'm going to believe what the Bible says. I'm not going to believe I'm limited to this natural world and resources. I'm going to take him at his word. How many of you all want to be blessed with every spiritual blessing that God has for you? Here it is in closing now, the two things you must have, faith and obedience. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. And look at this part right here. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Was there a preacher trying to tell you that about 15 minutes ago? Did he do a good job? Because that's all I was trying to say. Is the material universe didn't come from a material universe. It came from the spiritual God. It came from him. This computer didn't create itself. It came from a computer designer. Are you listening? A chicken doesn't lay its own egg. You need to have a source. And where do material things come from? Where do the laws of logic come from? Where do we come from? We come from a God who sustains and creates all of those things. And now look what the Bible says further in Hebrews eleven six. It says, without faith. Now let me make it clear to today's message. Without faith in this world view. The idea that all is in God and that he controls everything. If you don't have a faith in that God, it's impossible to please him. Because you are seeing him separate from you. You're going to think more about superstition, more about, you know, what you can do to trick him to bless you. Show up to church at this time of the week because you really know you got a job interview you want to get on Monday. You're going to have it all backwards. But when you start having faith that God is with you everywhere you go, you will be obedient to him. You will hear him speak to you because without faith it's impossible to please God. Look at right here because anyone, somebody say anyone. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And let me get this to you in closing. Though we are all blessed with every spiritual blessing, not everybody is rewarded with their blessings. I have been rewarded with some blessings that some people have not been rewarded with, and it's not because we're in different places. We're both in Christ. It's just I took God at his word. 
And that's going to make the difference. And I'm not saying we don't go through struggles and hard times. God teaches us lessons through our hardships and struggles and tries our faith to make us more dependent upon him. But I want to teach you as a general rule that if you see the good things of God lacking from your life, it's not because God hasn't already given them to you. It's not that God hasn't already placed you in the place to receive them. It's because you don't believe that and you're not willing to be obedient to his word. Because James says, remember we need faith and obedience, James says do not merely listen to the word in James 1.22 and deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Somebody say, do it. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. After looking at himself, he forgets after he goes away. But look at this. The Bible says, but those who are blessed are those who do it. Not only hear, but do. Are you hearing the word? Are you going to do the word? And as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. I want to give this to you in closing as the band comes, please. I want you to think about all of the treasures that you really wish you would have right now in life. And I don't just mean vanity, but I want you to think about all of the blessings that everybody's striving after today, right? And they're all looking at these blessings as something that they have to earn to get. And they're all in this place of going after it. And so you, you talk to like your average Christian, they're going to say, yeah, I know. Okay, I, I believe in a God and I know he's blessed me. They may not know the deep stuff we went through, but they'll say like, if it's in there, I believe it and I'm blessed. Okay. But when you watch their life, they're really not going to apply it as the Bible teaches to apply it. What they're going to do is rely upon their own self-effort. They're going to say, I'm blessed, but i got to go work nine to five. I'm blessed, but I've got to make things happen. Now, there's a truth to that, that we do things in obedience. But the problem will come is when they receive the blessing, what will start to happen, and you may find yourself in this place too, is you'll start to take credit for it. You'll be like, you know, I did have to go to work 40 hours a week, you know, to get paid. But thank you, Jesus, I got paid. So if I had to break it down in percentage-wise, I did like 90% of it, but God did the 10%. Boom, and he just blessed me. And you think about your life like this, like I'm working towards my blessings. You will even hear people use that language, I'm working towards my blessings. And it's the wrong mindset. It's not a heavenly mindset. As a matter of fact, everybody look up at me, please. Oprah and Bill Gates, they get blessed the same way you get blessed then. Because guess what? They're billionaires because they work, they save, they use their talents. But they're not in heavenly realms. Hello? They're not there. They're not where they're supposed to be. So what's the difference? If that's all blessings is, is just you working for it, you going out there and doing it, you going out there and making it happen, then where is the spiritual realms? What's the point of praying? What am I asking in prayer really for God to do? God, uh, I'm just asking you to help me be a better me today. Help me be more like the way I'm supposed to be because I'm the only one moving my body and doing stuff. It don't make any sense. You see, if you go back to the old timers, they didn't see it like this. See, the old-timers woke up in the morning to thank God for the breath they had in their lungs because they knew if it wasn't for God, they would have lungs and breath. 
they would thank God for the right mind that they had because unless they had the right mind, they knew they couldn't think one thought. And so what they did is they became dependent upon God in every move that they were making. They were literally walking through the day saying, in him I move, in him I live, in him I breathe, in him I have my being to him, because in him, because all things are for him and through him and to him. And so what we need to do is we need to stop thinking about us doing something with God way over there and us down here working, and we need to go back to these scriptures that teach us what God actually said he would do. And that's found in the idea of what he taught us in those passages. And it's simply like this. Everyone in Christ is blessed with every spiritual blessing. We start there and know that I'm in Christ. I'm in him. He's going to the job with me. And so if me and Bill Gates showed up to the same interview, we both may be able to code the same. We may be able to both be created the same. But there'll come a point where God will give me a Holy Ghost advantage to know and do things for a company that Bill Gates wouldn't know. I believe that. See, I read Bible stories and actually believe it. See, I believe Joseph was better than all the other workers because God blessed Joseph. See, I actually believe that God blessed a man named Daniel above all the other governors of Babylon. I actually believe that the Bible says when people get in his presence, they get wisdom and understanding. And the problem is, is we haven't learned to associate what we do 24-7, 9 to 5 with our spiritual blessings. We've left them and just said, God, we'll do this on our own. And God is saying, come back to a place of faith where you acknowledge I'm with you. So everyone's blessed in Christ, but only those who have faith and obey his word manifested in their lives. And the believer's blessings, look at this, are guaranteed because of Jesus. But the believer's reward depend upon that faith and obedience. I am just terribly concerned, and I mean this in all my heart, that as 21st century Christians, we have left God's spiritual blessings behind, and we don't even know it. Just hear me. I am so terribly concerned that so many of you, there was a word about God hating divorce, and there's always a couple or two in this church going through a hard time in their marriage, and I'm just terribly concerned that you really don't believe you're in heavenly places right now, and what God joined together, nobody can tear apart. I just really am concerned that you're looking so much at the circumstances that you don't believe in a God that can do things beyond your circumstances. I, I'm just being honest. I'm so terribly concerned that some of you, when it comes to Easter and inviting friends here and people getting saved, that that you are just so shy, you're afraid of ridicule, you're afraid of what people are going to say, that you don't see that the angels of heaven are going with you, that you're baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, that when you say the name of Jesus, demons get cast out, and you don't see their eternal souls separated from God, and you being used to bring heaven to them. You, you, just, you don't see the world that way. And because we're Christians, not living like Christ, we're coming to the world begging for their crumbs. 
We're begging for Rahm Emanuel's blessing. We're begging for Bill Gates' blessing. We're begging for Kanye West's blessing on our music. Have him sing a track. We're begging for the things that men give us. Not understanding that we are in heavenly realms. That we are disciples of Jesus. That everything we need has been promised by him to be ours. And so I am concerned for many of you here today. I mean this, that you will get to heaven. Some of you, yes, you'll get there. As the Bible says, by the skin of your teeth. And as you get there, God will show you what you left in heaven that was supposed to come to earth. He will show you the treasures that you had in your spirit that were supposed to come here and not only go to you, but go through you. Joy coming to you and going through you. Wisdom, prosperity, Everything you need, the Bible says, for life and godliness, he's promised you. And so I want to challenge us today in closing. We've got 10 minutes to worship and praise before we get ready for the second service. And I want to ask some of you, before I even call up the altar workers, that you would get serious with God in these next 10 minutes. That you would seek the Lord. And that you would say to him, God, where have I missed you in my life? Why is it I don't see you in all that I do? C.S. Lewis said it like this. There are some that see God in everything they do. And there's others who can never see God in anything they do. I see God in my life. I see God in my children. I see God even in my mistakes through the grace he gives me. I see God in my marriage. I see God in my creativity. I go, where did that come from? I was doing this, thinking this, and now this idea has come. I see God in work. I see God in pleasure. And I feel that some of you, you only see God on Sunday. When we're all here raising hands and you're waiting for Easter because it's going to be a better kind of Sunday, but you don't need to wait for Easter. I'm going to say the scripture and then we got nine minutes left. Here we go. Christ Jesus has blessed you in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in him. Ephesians 2, he has seated you in heavenly realms so that in coming ages he may show you off as a trophy of his incomparable grace. Where you are right now, stand or sit, close your eyes or open them, raise hands or put them on your lap, whatever you need to do. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to open up your heart right now and engage Jesus. We'll stand in just a moment on, as a congregation, but you can do what you want. You can kneel, but I want to give you just a moment right now. On your own, you engage God. Engage with God right now. Come on, do it in your own way. I don't want anybody saying I'm manipulating you. Lord, I pray that we don't leave out of here without touching heaven and changing earth. That we don't leave out of here believing that you are in us and the kingdom of God is among us. Oh God, tear open our hearts and come in like a flood. 
Show us who you are. 15 more seconds. 15 more seconds. Show us who you are. Show us who you are today, God. Come on, Jesus. We're open to you. I pray for some of you to have imaginations of the Spirit right now. Dreams and visions right now. Come on. I pray for some of you to hear the voice of God right now. Now all of us, would you stand with me please as the altar workers come. Would you raise up your hands to heaven and sing out this simple chorus that takes God at his word. I have never been and I have never been. Come on, closer, closer than I am right now. Jesus, come on, hands raised. Let me help you worship before you go today. Would you say it from your heart? I've never been. Just a few more times. Would you believe it? Sing it out today. One more time. I've never been. Right now, heavenly places are here. I never been closer to heaven than I am. Before we dismiss, would you look up at me, please? Thank you for coming. I look forward to seeing you next week. Can I tell you how you this how this gives you purpose? how it gave my dad purpose as a businessman, how it gave my mother purpose as a stay-at-home mom. Is you remember in that video how when Jesus went out, it, it brought heaven everywhere it goes, everywhere he went? That's what Carlos is doing when he's repairing heating and air conditioning. He's bringing heaven through his work. And any need that has to be done at that place, God is going to help him accomplish it. And through that, the businesses he services will see in him the glory of God. And he will be a living witness. Everywhere that our brothers and sisters go, where you go, you are extending the rule and reign of Jesus. You're bringing light to the post office. You're bringing light to the grocery store. We're bringing light to the restaurants we go to today. We're connecting the people back to God. Do you know a good church that has a strategy to connect people back to God? They kind of talk about it every week, connect, mentor, send. I'm going to ask that as we get ready to dismiss, if you need prayer for anything, you would let those of us who are connected to God pray for you. And then as you get connected to God, you can worship with us in the after party. But no matter what, whenever you leave, will you connect a lost world back to Jesus? Will you reach out to them? on your job, with your family. I'll just, man, i got to testify real quick. Just having a godly family in this world is a taste of heaven. People don't even know what a godly family looks like or tastes like or smells like. Just husbands and wives raising their children to honor God and their family will change the world. Come on. Can I just challenge you with this testimony? So I was going out and doing my normal stuff and my routines. And I was talking to a lady that was sitting next to me. 
at, at the park because I brought my kids there at the end of the day, and it was just a long day. And, and she said to me, how many kids do you have? And I told her, I have five, and that usually blows people's mind because you're supposed to only have one or two and a dog, and I have five. And this is just yesterday. And, and the lady just says to me, your kids are so well-behaved. Your daughter is so well-spoken, all of these things. And then I just start to tell her about why. And it just blows their mind because I'm a man and I love my wife. That's a new, new thought for people. I don't run away to the bar. I actually love my wife, love being with her. I love my kids. That blew her mind then too. I told her we want like two or three more. That blew her mind. I mean, just, just, and it doesn't have to be the multiple amount of kids, but just sitting there with a the worldview from my family, it was literally like, it just crossed right over into her world. And then it encourages them with their family. It encourages people. Would you go out and do that this week? Amen. Father, we thank you for this wonderful service. Bless your people as we go today. May we connect this world back to you by your grace. Those who reject what we say, may we not take it personal because they reject you, not us. But we pray that you'll send us to those who are ready and that they're going to come and follow you, Lord, and that we'll be back in this place serving you, Lord, next week, remembering your resurrection. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can you put them palms together for Jesus? Amen. Slap your neighbor high five and say you are blessed. God bless you as you go. Feel free to worship. Otherwise, we'll see you at Life Group. Praise God. Man, come up for prayer if you need it. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you. The heavenly. One more time.